Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Give God praise one more time for the band and the choir. This is great. Awesome, awesome. I come to church, they can lift you up out of a pit. You can't take the choir home, but you can utilize them tools on Sunday morning like this. It's great. My whole life, I have witnessed something that has come easy to many people, even myself. And that is the pointing of the finger. It is very easy to point the finger at anyone, in any situation, at any time, for any number of things. And when you are pointing the finger, and when you are pointing the finger at something or someone else, you necessarily are making sure the finger is not pointed at you. I didn't say that you give the finger, which is something that even the saints do from time to time when we drive that cussing spirit, finger-giving spirit out. But I'm talking about the ease at which we can point the finger at another person. It happens with roommates all the time. It happens with people you live with all the time. Who left all this stuff on the counter? Who left those? Who didn't do it? But we never seem to say the things that we leave on the counter. We leave out of place. So easy. You ever have somebody park just so close to you that you can't open your door? And you're just thinking to yourself. But you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Well, maybe you weren't in the line. I just automatically assume in traffic situations someone is violating me, not that I'm violating somebody. If you point the finger at life long enough, you will, you will blame everybody. It's election time. I early voted. I hope you did too. If you didn't, it's not too late to vote. It's too late for early voting, but it's not too late to vote. Because we're ready to point the finger. At, if our people don't win, we point the finger. If your things get voted down, you point the finger. But that's why it's all messed up. All those people. Seems like life is constantly offering, offering you and I an opportunity to point some direction other than ourselves. And if we point at one another long enough it, because of the things we feel bad about, we start thinking that our bad feelings are other people's fault. And then we start pointing the finger at God. Even though we should know better, we point the finger at God. Even though we should know better, we point the finger at other people. And it seems easier to blame than to take responsibility. I've got a lot of things I want to blame people for. It wasn't my fault. It was impressed upon me. And somehow I become the person who articulates all of the narratives 
against me that were caused by other people than me. I won't take responsibility, Laurie. I'll only point. Today, the text in James 1 helps us discover whether we are pointers, pointing at God, pointing at others, or are we people who are willing to take responsibility and receive life? Let's go to James chapter 1. Here we go. I want to let you know before we go on to James chapter 1, we perceive that this book was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, who throughout his life, we cannot see that he was a believer or somebody who actually believed in Jesus till after Jesus' death. And then he was declared to be a believer, an apostle, a leader in the church, someone who prayed a lot. He did not speak a lot in this book about the grace of God, but maybe the life and lifestyle of holy living. And that becomes the emphasis. So when you hear it, hear what he's saying, you hear all these imperatives about what you should do to be consistent with holy living. And you don't always feel the grace. But I want you to know grace is assumed whenever you're speaking about uh, the word or character of God. And keep that in mind as we go through the word and you hear, hear various things. Let's read James chapter 1, 12 through 18. When I say ready, read, then you read ready, read. The text that we're reading starts out with the word blessed. Each one of us wants to live a blessed life. We want to be happy. We want to be content. We want to be in that blissful state. It's as if James is taking a page out of Matthew and speaking his own beatitudes. Blessed are those who endure under trials, as if he's saying, blessed are the meek, or blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Um, Blessed are those who mourn. It's like this is another beatitude. This is another way to be blessed. It's to endure. In this scripture, the word endure means to stay up under, to bear, to to not remove. Can can you imagine that he tells you you're blessed when you stay steadfast in trials, steadfast in testing? I don't know about you, but testing of any kind has brought me anxiety throughout my life. And he wants you to stay steadfast. He He doesn't want you to give up, cave in, or quit. He doesn't want you to point the finger at the test and say how unfair it is. In fact, he wants you to remain a blessed disposition. In the first verses in in James, he says, count it all joy when you encounter diverse kinds of trials. For the trying of your faith works patience or endurance. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Endurance 
or enduring or staying in something, staying in a test helps you grow. And I know that a lot of times we don't want to take the test. In this particular regard to the word trial, the test itself is not trying to prove you wrong, but to prove, to assess and help you see where you are and where you can accelerate to from there. Just think about a time trial when you're, you're in a race. The time, time trial is to help you evaluate where you stand so you can know what your limitations are that you can now try to exceed. These type of tests given from God were not designed to break, but to make. In fact, in fact, when he says, under this trial, when you stood the test and you received the crown of life that you were promised, this word, so you were tested, and then he said you stood the test, means you were validated, you were verified, you were approved, you, 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 you were who you said you were. You were someone who said you were on the Lord's side and you were tested and you were proven. When you saw things that were against the Lord, you stood against them. When you were solicited by sin, you stood against sin and then you, you, you were made, made strong. You were tested and you were proven to be all right. The Bible says, and Peter said, don't think it's strange concerning this fiery trial that you're in, which is to try you. For when you have been tried, you will come out like pure gold. The trial is not to break you, but to make you more expansive, uh, more valuable. It's to prove your worth in Christ. And it is so valuable when you stay under this text, God said, okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Now I promise that when you endure like this, you get a crown of life. I know it can feel like the test is to break you. I, I think, think about Job, his test of his patience. He said, all of my appointed time will I wait, but I know my change is going to come. Abraham tested in the area of sacrifice. All along, the Lord knew, knew he was not going to, to, to allow the, the child to be sacrificed, but Abraham had to be willing to give everything to God. It was a test. I want you to know what will you do in your test. There is a test or trial that you're either currently in or you're headed into, and it's asking you the question, will you stay in the trial in your marriage? Will you stay in the trial with your kid, children? Will you stay in the trial in your workplace? Will you stay in the, in the trial with your school? All of this stuff is asking you, will you stay joyfully in the trial? When I'm going through a trial, I want everybody to know I'm miserable. All my nonverbal communications say, uh-huh, I'm going through right now. Y'all pray for me. I'm mad at everybody. Misery love company. When I'm going, when I'm going, when I'm going through a trial, to a trial, I'm justifiably grumpy. You ever feel that? Just leave me alone. Well, what do we do to you? Nothing, but still, leave me alone. What's that all about? You get touchy. You get all moody. You're not going through right. It's just a test. Why are you mad at the test? It's just there to prove how you stand on the Lord's side, how you're willing to do what's right, how you're willing to trust God in every circumstance, in every situation. Don't get mad at the test. As we go on to the, to, to the next 
part of the verse, John, I mean, Jim James 13, because once you know it's only a test, but I think when you're in the test and you're not faring well, you're looking for someone to blame. When, you, when, when it's all going wrong, you're thinking it's somebody's fault, it's not my fault, so let me see who. And the Bible says in, in, in uh, James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. It is so easy. I told you, after you blame people long enough, you start saying, well, God created people. So really, they just God's victims victimizing me. My real problem is not the people, but it's the people God made. They not their own maker. God is the maker. My problems with God. Then you get paralyzed for a minute because you're not sure whether you want to actually say that sentence to God. You don't know. And then you get brave one day and say, you know what, God? I got to lay it on out there. I got to lay it out in our relationship. Hey, buddy. This is your fault. You made her and you gave her to me. You made him and you gave him to me. You gave me crazy kids. I didn't just make crazy kids. I did all I was supposed to. Them kids are crazy. They crazy, Lord. They don't do nothing I say. <laughs> you put me on this bad team. You put me in this bad job. You made it when my brain don't work fast enough to get a better job. Why was they born? You, you know, you made them born rich. You made me born poor. You, you gave me my ethnicity and it feels like it's a handicap. You gave them the better ethnicity. You know, God, if, I, if we just lay it all out there, God, you know what? I'm not willing to use these words against you because I know you're good, but you got some shade. Got shade. But the scripture says, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anybody with evil. That means the nature and essence of God is good, and he has nothing evil in him to draw from to give it to you. He doesn't use the tools of allurement. He said, but every man is tempted when he is enticed and dragged away on its own lust, and when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. In other words, when you are enticed, lured, when you're baited, y'all know how bait work. Pastor Dave, you're a fisherman. When you want to catch bass, what do you use? What's the best bait? A worm? When you want to catch trout, what's the best bait? Is, a, is, is the trout going to go after the worm? Well, that ain't the best bait. What? You ain't messing my whole analogy up. You just too, just man, goodness gracious. It's true. Dave, let's try it this way. Dave, if a pile of cocaine was sitting right here. Uh, now we good, now we good, okay. I'm letting y'all know, if they had a mountain of cocaine sitting right here, and they say, Pastor James, you can have as much as you want, guilt-free. Dive in. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, can somebody come clean up the dust off my, my thing? Because I have no desire for anything to take my brain away. 
Anything that make me out of control, I don't like that. That's not my vice. But if they pile up a hundred Krispy Kreme, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, and have it like triangulated with one at the top, and they say, you can have the Krispy Kreme. I'm gonna tell you now. What I'm gonna say is I know it could give me sugar diabetes. I know one day I could be walking out with a nub because I, but you know what? You know what I'm gonna say? I'm telling you what I'm gonna say. One ain't gonna hurt me. And then I'm gonna say that one was good. How bad could two really be? And, and in fact, they sell them in a dozen. So you know they ain't gonna give you nothing that'll kill you. A dozen will work. That is a temptation for me. It's alluring me. It's teasing me. It's trapping me. When I see the hot sign, I shake. I do. The hot sign is on. Did you see the hot sign? The hot. This is not new. The first man and woman were given a test. You can freely eat anything in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the middle of our garden, you cannot eat of it. What did Adam and Eve do? No, let's just back up the stories and not give you all such a quick reprieve, sister. His wife renamed the tree good. God called it evil and good. She said it's good for food and she took and ate it. She took it and ate it and gave some to her husband and he ate it. And the Bible says immediately they knew that they were naked, they were shamed and they tried to cover up their sin with leaves. They were afraid of God that they were in love with before. And then the scripture said they went and hid and God came to them walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He said, Adam, where you at, man? We normally walk right now. Adam. Then God in his divine all-knowing said, Adam, Adam, I know you hear me. He didn't say it quite like this, but it's, it's the better version. <laughs> Adam. I know you hear me <laughs> acting like you don't hear me. That's in my house. That's how it sounded in my house. <laughs> acting like you don't hear me. I can see you, your foot sticking out in the bush over there in the corner. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's just letting me preach. Okay. And then he said, did you eat fruit from the tree I told you not to? And Adam did what every human would have done in that moment. Every human would have done it. Say, Lord, hold on. The woman you made for me, the woman you gave to me, that you said would be good for me, she took and ate and gave me some. So, Lord, let's reprioritize the question. What did she do to me that hurt me? And what did you allow her in creating her to do to mess the whole thing up? I'm going to step out and let you and her work that out now. Because the blame game is on. And I'm not to blame. 
<laughs> and then you know what the woman said? Hold on, Lord, hold on. Hold on for a minute. Hold on for a minute. Now I'm not gonna say what Adam said about you, Lord. And I'm not gonna call my own self out, because that would be foolishness. <laughs> but it was the snake in the grass. The snake, snake of the snake, he's sitting right over there, Lord, acting like he didn't talk to us. <laughs> the blame game. There's no limit and no end to the number of people you will blame, even to God, if you are not willing to take responsibility for the lust that's in you. He said, but every man is drawn away and enticed and tempted by the lust that's in him. That means there has to be a desire in me for that which offends God and hurts people. And pulls me away. And I hear us all the time, you know, I was just made like this. I just got a conniving. I'm just kind of like, I, I just, you know, lie a little bit. It's all right. I'm good other than that. You know what? God, I, I am lustful. But he gave me desire for multiple people besides my wife. So I'm just thinking, what am I really doing wrong except living? Now, I wish I could say I made those up. The people say that kind of stuff. This is the whispers the enemy will give you. I know I'm only supposed to, to be in a heterosexual relationship. But I got feelings in, in, in the same sex direction. And he made me like this, so it's not on me, it's on him, and I'm all right with acting on that. But every man and every woman is enticed and allured and drawn away on their own lust. That means it didn't originate from the devil, it didn't originate from God, it originated from your own sinful appetite. Now, the test is not so God can say, I got you. So he can become a finger pointer. I got you. You see who you are? You see how bad you are? The test is for you to recognize there's depravity and that there is the answer, God. Saying, if you like me to, I can blot out your transgressions. I can blot out your sins. I can cast them as far as the east is from the west. I can remember them no more. I can make you a new person and a new man, and I can give you a new life with a new test that you will pass. Because I'm not interested in telling you what you're not. I'm interested in telling you who I am so that you can choose me and get the exchange of your life for my life, and then you can pass the test. Let's get out of this finger pointing, and let's get into surrender. Then, so this is only a test. You can make it a temptation. 
you can make it a temptation. The same word for test and temptation are the same, but it just depends on context. God's context is a test. Our context in the flesh is a temptation. Verse 16 says it this way. Do not be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be drug away. Don't choose to define life where everybody is wrong but you. Don't define life where, where God, good, uh, good is bad and bad is good. My beloved brothers, I love that James would use that terminology knowing that he's probably speaking to people who are Christians who are going through persecution and trying to figure out whether they will maintain their holy life and holy lifestyle and appreciation to the gospel. You are my brothers, even though you might be, not be looking like brothers and acting like brothers. He said, let me remind you of something about the character of the one who's delivering the test. Every good gift and every perfect, mature, unsoiled gift comes from above and proceeds from the Father of life where there's no variation or shadow of turning or changing. You see, in God is light and life. And this light is the light of men. In him is light and no darkness at all. He is pure. He is good. He is holy. He is just. He is noble and noteworthy. He is full of humility and he is the definition of grace and he is love. So how is it that we can point the finger at someone who doesn't even think at or remotely reflect evil? But something in the wickedness of Satan and in the vileness of the human condition, the fallen man, God ends up being the one who is easiest to point the finger at. He is good. How, how do you and I get out? How do you and I take the test? And you know how they teach you in um, a school, you do math and then like if you're doing division, how to, how to check your math and reverse it? Yeah, y'all didn't do good in math class. It's okay. It happens. I know. Yeah, you don't check your math. You know, y'all using calculators in this generation. Uh, uh-huh, calculator, they're messing y'all up, uh-huh. The Vandy students are saying, no, not us. Yes, I've seen y'all Vandy students use your calculator. Anyway, let's look at this final scripture in Galatians. And Pastor Dave, come join me. This is the answer to how you move from, from just being st- stuck in who you are to evaluating how you stand on the test. And then making a decision. Put Galatians 5 up there. And since you're on the stage, Pastor Dave, anytime you want to chime in, you can. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the uh, the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desire of the Spirit is against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they are evident. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like these. I warn you, I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means when you take the test of life to see where you, whether you're standing on God's side or not, if your life is consistent with these things, you have a problem that he himself is the solution to. But if you take the test and you see these things, but the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, against such things there is no law. So here's how we should live. As though, uh, and those who, who, and those who aid to. Yeah, that's bad. I crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If, here, here, here it ends, and I thought to you, Dave, to close. If we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Would you stand with us? It's a wonderful, powerful word today. It's a powerful word. This series of choices, we have a choice between responsibility and blame. We can either look for our responsibility or we can begin to point the finger to others and to God. And our responsibility, Pastor James has just pointed us to it so clearly, but just reading the word. Our responsibility is to keep in step with the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, to follow the Spirit, to trust the Spirit, and to have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of our lives. Can I ask you a question? Which of those lists matched your life better? Fits of anger, jealousy, rivalries, dissension, division? Peace, love, joy, patience, goodness, self-control, drunkenness, lust? Which of those lists matched your life better? The purpose of the trial is not to condemn you, but to reveal you so that you can move into another way. His way. Ministry team, would you come down? I don't know if any of you are facing one of those choices. I think some of you know. I should say, I, I don't think, and I don't know. I do know. Some of you are facing a choice right now. You thought you just walked into a church because somebody invited you. You thought you've just been hanging out here because church seems like a good thing to do. But now all of a sudden there's something stirring in your chest, something even burning inside of you, that physical sensation. I can't create that in you. That's not somebody up here with a microphone. That's the spirit of God reaching into you saying, isn't it time that you make that choice right? Isn't it time that you stop putting on the Christian face for a moment while living a non-Christian life? For the week, isn't it time you take responsibility for what the test is showing you and start answering the test's questions right? Would you bow your head with me? Is that the choice you're faced with today? 
If you believe that's the choice that God is facing you with today, and it's time for you to change directions, time for you to change the answers you've been giving to yourself, to others, and to God, just look up at me. I'm going to pray for you. Just look up at me if that's you. It's time for you to make a choice, change. Change in your life. Just lock eyes with me. I see you. Yeah, I can see you in the back. I see you. If you're looking at me, I'm thinking you're making that difference. A change? Okay. Okay. Very good. Lord, I thank you for all of those here, even still, who I haven't had a chance fully to lock eyes with, but they were saying, Lord, I need to lock eyes with somebody and admit to myself, eyeball to eyeball to somebody, that a choice needs to be changed. I'm being faced with this right now. I want to change what the, my life lists looks like. I want it to be the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want it to, be the, to the ways of the, be the ways of the flesh. I don't want to live in slavery to the flesh. I want to live in the freedom of the Spirit. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. Lord, would you start working in their life even right now? Holy Spirit, come and cleanse and purify as they pray in their own mind to you. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for the ability to change. Ask for the power to change. Would you do that even now? Begin to move. And I pray that this would be a watershed day for some of these who just looked up at me. And by looking at me, I know what they were really doing was trying to look at you. May they see you now in their mind's eye. May this be a watershed moment. All the water was flowing one way before today, and it begins to flow the other way after today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.